Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? So every time we do the report, I sing a few tunes during the uh, live presentation because you know, because uh, we let's let's face it, we're all uh, frustrated actors that got into. And welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today, we're going to be talking about beverage trends for 2024. And for that, we have two guests, Andrew Freeman, founder of the San Francisco-based agencies AF & Co. and Carbonate, and Leith Steele, senior strategist and head of insights at Carbonate. So AFCO is a lifestyle marketing and media relations firm, and Carbonate is its brand strategy and creative service partner. The two collaborate on an annual hospitality trends report that we look forward to every year. And as always, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the beverage trends. So welcome, Andrew and Leith, and thank you for joining us. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having us. This is really exciting. Should we all have a cocktail? <laughs> we should. Yeah, well, we idea. can. We're on the East Coast. So. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I may or may not have had a beer with lunch, so there you go. <laughs> I'm so, up for a Bellini or uh, you know, bloody. Well, that sounds good, actually. <laughs> so why don't we dive right in with your drink of the year, the Caprese Martini. So who would like to explain that? Well, I'll start. And then, Leith, by the way, I should say that I'm the beauty and Leith's the brains behind the report. Um, so, um, you know, I, the report is in its 16th year. It's, you know, it's been very, as you know, very well regarded in the industry. And over the course of the last couple of years, we've noticed, you know, as you have, because you you write about it every day and you talk about it every day, that the world of cocktails and spirits and everything has just become so much more integrated in the whole experience of why you would go to dine or uh and so as as we really started to dig into these trends this year we just saw that it, it's getting more and more creative you know more and more creative and that a year ago we called call it like culinary cocktails you know cocktails that were inspired by you know actual food or dishes and actually, even the year before that, we had the crazy Bloody Marys where they were putting everything in it and, you know, and all that. So this year, um, the Caprese Martini, which, you know, at least research he found was being offered in different iterations around the country, was just that an example of like, you know, being able to taste almost like a Caprese salad in a glass. And this whole savory cocktail, which I'll let Leith talk about in a minute has really taken off. And we've, you know, of course we think we're brilliant, but now that a lot of the other trend reports are coming out, we're seeing savory cocktails everywhere. So there's a, Carbonate has a client in uh, San Jose called Rolati that features this Caprese Martini. And it's just been like the number one cocktail, you know, that they've offered. And so I think it just, it's, um, it's beautiful. It tastes a little tomatoey. It's clarified. So it's got a good smooth quality. And it's just for adventurous drinkers. It's it's more fun. So that's why it's the drink of the year. Wait, anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's we are seeing a movement towards culinary cocktails, more savory cocktails. And so, you know, as Andrew said, the Caprese is just one specific example of that. But, you know, it's, it's different as, you know, cocktails change. They tend to go through phases. Like we went through the sweet fruity drinks like 20 years ago. And then we were into, 
spirit forward drinks and then there was bitter and then briny and so now you know as people are looking for new flavors to embrace they started looking towards the kitchen and that tomato has this wonderful balance of sweetness and acidity so it's able to fit a lot of you know different flavor profiles and that kind of middle ground that people like and that that they aren't going to banish to being oh that's too sweet or oh that's too fruity it's also just really delicious. <laughs> it is actually a fruit, is it not? Tomato. Yes, that's right. It, it is. is a fruit. Yes, it is. A, it is a fruit, but <laughs> people don't characterize it as fruity, and especially yeah. in some of the um, variations that we saw. You know, different restaurants are doing it differently. Different bars are doing it differently. Some add a little bit of balsamic vinegar, again adding more acidity, but a balanced sweetness because balsamic is sweet. That you know furthers that profile, so that you're going to get you know. A drink that doesn't taste sweet. And I'll say this, you know, we have examples in the report of all, all these different drinks we're going to talk about. So your, you know, your listeners can download the report, you know, and get the, not only the drink trends, but everything that we've uh, discussed in, the, in our report this year. Absolutely. I just wanted to offer some praise for the report. I was reading it over earlier today in preparation for this podcast. And once again, I was just seeing trend after trend in your report that I'm seeing everywhere. So once again, you guys, I feel like are just right on the money. Excellent, excellent foresight you all have over there. Um, And you did, you named culinary cocktails last year and you brought them up again this year as another trend, completely agreed. I see them everywhere. Can you describe to me in your own words what a culinary cocktail is and why they've caught on and become so popular? Yeah, at least you want to take it and then I'll chime in. Sure. So we use the term culinary cocktails to describe cocktails that are really inspired by specific culinary dishes. You know, bartenders have long kind of, you know, looked at what's going on in the kitchen and seen like, oh, what can I take? You know, is there anything there I can use? You know, it used to be, you know, the pastry chef would have like leftover egg whites from something and they'd make that into like a gin fizz or what have you. But now they're really looking at not just the ingredients, but specific dishes. Uh, my favorite example is a bar called Double Chicken Please in New York. And um, you know they really got kind of put front and center when they were made it into the world's uh, 50 best bars. And they were in the top 10 and they were the top performing bar in the US. And they are best known for their back room where every single uh, cocktail is the name of a dish. So examples are like mango and sticky rice. Uh, inspired by the classic Thai dessert. Red-eye gravy is another one. One is Waldorf salad. Every cocktail is inspired by a dish and they're gonna pick flavors and you know, alcohols or spirits that will contribute to that, to that idea, but it's capturing the idea of a dish in a drink. Yeah, I'll throw in like, if you look in the report, there was this one of the places called the Anvil Pub and they had the everything. Everything everywhere all at once, uh, cocktail inspired by a, a everything bagel. Everything, and I just think, you know, again, these aren't drinks for like, these are drinks for like the people that love cocktails, right? You know, there a couple of people would be like, oh, I'm not gonna try that, like, you know, like, you know um, but I think, you know, uh, it just picked the envelope. And the one other thing I'll say is that there's a, um, a sense of this full item utilization that comes through. So um, if you're using, you know, something in the kitchen and before you throw it out, send it over to the bar and see if they can, you know, clarify it or purify it or do something, you know, uh, do something with it. 
to then, you know, also, so it supports, you know, a little bit of the sustainability. Zero investment. waste. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you also have MSGVious drinks and yes. cocktails that include MSG or monosodium glutinate, which, you know, this ingredient used to be the, the devil. I mean, I worked at a Chinese restaurant in college and it was super fashionable to say no MSG, please. Well, I just got to yeah. say the first time Lisa and I presented the report this year, we got booed. Like people actually like booed us. Um, you know, they couldn't believe that we were uh, that we were actually presenting this. You know, like they were like, um, yes, yeah. <laughs> right. Lee, do you and, remember that? Yeah, and it's it's funny. You know, everybody remembers villainizing MSG, but nobody actually remembers the report that came out and said MSG doesn't cause headaches. You know, it 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 turns out. You know, science has since said you know MSG doesn't cause any negative health effects that you know it's all it's all a bad rap and you know there's conversation about oh you know racism and what it's have you it was a little discriminatory uh, i think in hindsight uh, yes exactly it was and so now you know there's certain chefs who are embracing it for you know the qualities um that it offers and then so bartenders have followed too and you know we see it especially in martinis because that MSG just adds that extra, you know, savory layer that you can't get with with just a you know a, a dirty martini, and it it's able to capture that savoriness in a with a slightly different flavor profile. Well, I last month I wrote about some cocktails at Morimoto Asia in Walt Disney yeah. World, and it, it was a holiday drink program and one of them had msg in it and i was kind of like oh that's interesting yeah. so a couple <laughs> weeks later i got an email from what i guess is the first and leading supplier of msg uh, yeah thanking me for mentioning it <laughs> <laughs> maybe, Ooh, hey, maybe, maybe, we're, maybe, maybe we're gonna get a lifetime supply of msg um, I, I was gonna yeah, say they're gonna maybe, love you guys. <laughs> maybe they can sponsor next year's report. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't allow that. It would be it would be biased, but uh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think people are catching on though. Even the New Yorker had an article on this recently. Yeah, the, yeah. the history of discrimination against MSG and how uh, there's a, an enormous mis an enormous disconnect between the truth and this sort of uh, reputation that's been allowed to accumulate over the years. Thankfully, we're turning it around on that. Yeah. Um, another one of the trends you had mentioned was clarified cocktails. Why are people looking for clear cocktails? I'll talk, I'll let Lee talk about the, the actual process of it, but I have to say there's an ooh and ah effect of this trend that you can get an espresso martini that's clear. And every, like, there's a wow factor of like, oh my God, you know, I just tasted this, I just had an espresso martini and it's not brown anymore. And so I think, you know, the clarification of of these uh, ingredients, it will adds a richness, but you know, the fun of this trend is that it's that surprise and delight moment of having these kind of cocktails, but we can talk more about why it's taking off and why it's, you know, wh how, how, how uh, restaurants and bars are using it. Yeah, it's, I, it's a very nuanced answer. And I think, you know, different places are doing it for different reasons. You know, I do think primarily it's because of the wow factor of, our favorite case example was the espresso martini from, I want to say, Diversion Cocktails in uh, Houston. And they do a clarified espresso martini. And it looks like a martini. And they even serve it with chocolate-covered almonds that look like olives. So it looks exactly like you're getting a dirty martini, but it's an espresso martini, which is just something that's really fun, really playful, 
you know, obviously a popular drink and now they're just doing it differently. But in other cases, I think there's bartenders like the technique, you know, um, in the last, I'd say the last decade, probably even more than that, the last 15, 20 years, a lot of bartenders are looking back at like pre-prohibition era cocktails. And, you know, back then, you know, milk punch was one of the the most popular drinks. It's a you know traditional clarified technique. Now with modern technology, these bartenders are saying, well, what if we used that same technique in other ways? And that's what they've started doing. So they're kind of pushing the boundaries, taking something that used to be historic and treating, taking the, that technique and doing new things with it. So uh, we saw one version of like a clarified cosmopolitan where they'd make a cosmo and clarify it. And it's like, well, why would you have to? But again, just seeing what that does to a drink that was familiar and it's now going to be different. Uh, we've also learned that clarification offers specific benefits, especially for high volume bars. Clarification makes it possible to batch drinks with uh, citrus. So I, I'd say any you know, good bar out there is going to say, we only use fresh citrus juices. We're not using bottles. But if, if they're doing high volumes, they really want to be able to batch things. And a batch drink with citrus just doesn't really hold up unless it's clarified. Uh, also, apparently clarification can also help with carbonated cocktails, which is something I didn't know until we did this research. But that's also something to consider if they're doing uh, carbonated cocktails, that carbonation keeps better. Okay. Now, I love this one from flights to heights because I love flights. I love presentation. And I haven't seen this in a while. But I, by both- the way, I think every bar should do this. Just FYI, if I gave a little tip, like because, uh, and this plays into our our social media madness, you know, and the Instagram and TikTok and all the ways that people now perceive bars and restaurants and the way we're all receiving information. But, you know, you put something, you tear a, a, a set of cocktails in a really cool presentation like we have in our report and that comes through the dining room or sits on the bar. And then there's that moment of like, I want it, you know, I want it too. And so, you know, it started, I think in the past, we've had Bellini flights, you know, where you or you make your own, make your own Bellini's table side and all of this. So this sort of just takes that entertainment value to a whole new level. It also with lighting cocktails, there is that also sense of like, okay, well, if I don't like this one, there's another one that I can try. So there's a little more adventure in maybe not making, you know, fear that fear commitment of like, oh, if I don't, I don't want to order a whole cocktail, but I, I'd love to do this lighted cocktail program where I can maybe taste three of these cocktails that Leith is talking about, or we can have a central theme of like, we're going to do a three citruses in a cocktail or whatever it is. But the concept is really more about the showbiz of restaurants and about the fact that, you know, you could have an iron worker in your local community make something, or you can find something, but it just, there's that ooh and ah moment. And I think so much about what we talk about these days is presentation you know, in the way things are presented, because it's all for the, it's all for Instagram and it's all for TikTok now, right? In our trend report, we did a really fun study of plating presentations over the years, how food has been plated. And I think, you, you know, probably a little too soon for cocktails, but soon we might be able to start to see that as well. It went from shaken to tiki to, da, 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 you know, because when you're drinking so much of this is you're drinking with your eyes as well. 
Right. And it also speaks to the trend of moderation as well, because I, I was talking to a professor at the Culinary Institute and he was saying they've had great success at their on-site restaurants with like mini cocktails because yeah. people want a lot of flavors in, in one experience so that, you know, you're getting the wow presentation, but also, you know, just having a little bit of yeah. each one. That makes sense. You're being moderated without even knowing you're being moderated. Right. You don't even think you are. <laughs> and, uh, and like you said, it just seems like an easy social media win. I love the photos that you included in the report. All of those would look fantastic on Instagram. Uh, easy, yeah. easy social media win there. Tell me yeah. about the uh, the Vesper cocktail in 2024. I'm going to let Lee take that one. <laughs> except, uh, I... except uh, Lee, can I sing? Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, well, you, do your, you talk about it, then I'll sing. Okay. We've built it up now. Yeah, so, I mean, the Vesper is, you know, a cocktail. It's based on a martini. So it's going to have those kind of very, you know, kind of classic lines. I, I mean, I think it's back because in part of the popularity of the martini as recent years, you know, people are looking for, oh, I want a martini, but something a little different. The Vesper is great. It's going to have a little less of, you know, um, vermouth usually. Uh, and it has... Uh, it has some lillet, so it's it's gonna you know it um, it, it is gonna be balanced, uh, but it has both vodka and gin, so it's gonna be you know, spirit a spirited drink, but one that appeals to people who are looking for a sophisticated spirit forward cocktail. So it 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 has a lot to offer, but it's you know just kind of play off a classic martini, which is popular now. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? So every time we do the report, I sing a few tunes during the uh, live presentation because you know, because uh, we let's let's face it, we're all uh, frustrated actors that got into this business because <laughs> restaurants and bars are just like uh, speak like for yourself. <laughs> I'm going to ask our production person to start the podcast with that song. Okay. <laughs> so what, I don't know if there's a song for this, but what can you tell us about cheesy cocktails? <laughs> yeah, then uh, no song. No. <laughs> cheesy cocktails are definitely, I'm going to like, has definitely also gotten a reaction of like, really? But I'll, you know, Leith, maybe you could tell everybody about the cheesy cocktail. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't, we don't know where exactly this started. There's a bunch of different theories. Um, one could say, well, you know, uh, in Hong Kong and in Asia, they put, started putting a cheese foam on top of bubble tea. So people kind of like looked at this idea. Um, you can definitely look at oh, 2022, maybe, or was it 2023? Um there was that huge TikTok explosion of the Parmesan topped espresso martini. You know, that was something that was created for a liquor 43 cocktail contest and it just exploded on TikTok. So then everyone was talking about like shaving Parmesan on top of the drinks. And I'll say Parmesan is high and uh, umami, <laughs> similar to MSG. So they're just yeah. doing a more natural alternative. Um, but you know, a lot of the examples that we found are, you know, cheese is incorporated into a garnish or blended in. A lot of these drinks have some fruit. So it's kind of the classic fruit and cheese pairing. It's not like they're taking a slab of American, melting it on top of the glass. Yeah. No, it's um, 
I've seen like a mascarpone foam. Um, you know, that's going to be a drink with a you know, kind of a sweeter, fruitier profile. That mascarpone is going to add some creamy richness. And it's just on the top where you might have had like the egg, egg white froth on top. Instead, this is a mascarpone froth. But there's a bunch of different examples that we've seen. Again, it goes back to that culinary mashup, you know, this, this whole sense of like um, wanting to marriage the marriage of food and drink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think maybe my favorite trend you guys had on the list, and it's certainly one I see myself in my own, I, I'll, uh, certainly one I see myself, is uh, chilled fruit forward red wines being popular yeah. among younger LDA drinkers, millennials, Gen Z. Uh, I, I am a millennial and I have a lot of millennial age friends. And these are the kind of wines that I bring when I spend time with my millennial age friends. And these wines get crushed at our gatherings, absolutely yeah. crushed. People rip through these wines that are, everybody <laughs> loves them cross demo. Everyone's drinking these kind of wines. And it also kind of ties into one of my bigger concerns in 2024 is what wines are millennials and uh, Gen <laughs> Z people going to drink. Cause they're not, we're not drinking a lot of wines to be honest with you. So I'm, I'm keeping an eye on what we are drinking. And this certainly seems to be right in the wheelhouse right now for the LDA uh, consumers. Yeah. When we did this trend, cause we have a restaurant in San Francisco called one market that has a whole chilled red wine list, you know, a section in their list. And she's brilliant, Tonya. I think you've talked to her in the past, Tonya uh, Pitts, the uh, psalm there. And she said, you know, if I could teach people one thing, red wine is always uh, served too warm and white wine is presented too cold, you know, and there's, and so she said, and it really, you should enjoy wine the way you want to enjoy wine. That's why chilled red wines, I think are so popular. Cause I think a lot of uh, myself included, you know, when you, I'm just not a warm wine drinker I don't I like it to be refreshing and cool and a lot of times I think the reds that I got were always a little too warm you know for for me so I mean I know that certain red wines have to be at room temp but this this red wine chilled red wine thing I think was a little taboo in the past to talk about chilling any kind of red wine and so the fact that it's sort of come out of the closet this year in our report has been really you know fun I mean it's been around for a while but I think you know, we had the Frosé trend and, you know, all of that. So it's been used in different things. But I think it's just nice to see that it's chilled red wines. I'd be interested, Lee, since I know you're already starting on your research for next year, are you seeing anything that millennials may be drinking now? Not to put you on the spot, but... <laughs> uh, I'm still recovering from this past year. Um, I, but I, I do think that the chilled red wines are, you know, going to continue to grow in popularity. I think right now we're kind of at the forefront of restaurants really embracing them and offering more of them. Because right now I think it's still, you know, infrequent to find them in restaurants. You see them a lot in natural wine bars, especially the natural wine bars where they've really kind of embraced this. They were at the forefront of the, that movement. I think there's still going to be a lot of trickle down um, that we're going to see. And One thing I mean, that I will say, oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Lee. Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I do think the wine industry is really struggling right now, how to appeal to Gen Z, because yeah. millennials drink less, Gen Z is just not interested. There's yeah. too many other options out there. One thing I did learn this uh, in the last couple of weeks is that the, uh, the Gen Z and the millennials are definitely uh, more adventurous as it comes to international wines. Like they're, cause they're willing to take chances. 
Whereas I think the more sophisticated wine drinkers sort of know Napa, Sonoma, you know, France, Italy, like, and the interesting fact was um, somebody mentioned to me, like when you go to Trader Joe's, hit the international section because the pricing is better and they're usually better wines. Um, if you're willing to take, you know, the chance on something, but I thought that was interesting. So I think that maybe there'll be a little more sense of adventure. And I would also throw in that. I think we'll see half bottles and different sizing, you know, different presentations for the younger generation that might want to, it's that fear of commitment, but also this whole sense of like, what if I don't like it? And I just bought it. You know, whereas I think I, I would be great to figure out how to get the millennials and the Gen Z's excited about learning more about wine, because so I think the wine industry, to at least point, really has to start focusing on making education about wine fun, you know, like um, and interactive, you know, so that they can. They, they, I think it's just an intimidation factor a little bit. It's. So, I actually think. Yeah, I, I'm going to slightly challenge that and say, I think they need to make it more approachable so oh, that yeah, people don't yeah. feel like they need to be educated. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Agree. Um, now, I, I, I'm seeing more half bottles at stores myself at the retail stores. I've noticed that as well. And you're totally right. Again, as somebody who spends a lot of time uh, with my fellow millennials, there's just a complete lack of knowledge when it comes to wine. I always tell the story and hopefully my cousin who's a very sophisticated individual never listens to this podcast but he brought a bottle of Beaujolais Nouveau to one of our family gatherings. And I tried to chat him up on the concept of Beaujolais Nouveau. And he had no idea what he had. He just bought it because yeah. it was cheap and he liked the branding. <laughs> and this, he's a very sophisticated individual, lives in LA yeah. and Chicago, and he doesn't know anything about wine. Yeah. So we were just yeah, having I, this conversation about, you know, you have to have a level of like, for the sophisticated wine drinker, you have to have enough of that education, that sophistication. But then for the other people that might just be there to have a good time, you just need to make it approachable to least point. I, this goes way back and Melissa, you may remember this, but I used to work at the Russian Tea Room in its day. And in its day, we had Russian River Chardonnay on the menu. And the majority of people, that was the number one wine for every party because it had the word Russian in it. Like, you know, so just- They probably thought it was from Russia too. So exotic. <laughs> and, and listen, we didn't fight it because it was a good, like we were getting good money for it. And like, no, listen, they want to think it's Russian, let them think it's Russian. Hey, it, I don't it know worked. if it's come in yet from the ship. You know? <laughs> I was going to say it worked for Smirnoff too. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're just out of time. There's much more in the report that we did not get to. So you should really and look at the culinary trends as well. Uh, so I want to say thank you to Andrew and Leith for joining us today. Thank you. It was fun. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. And where can people find the report? I mean, obviously, we're going to link it in the podcast description. But if, yeah, you, could uh, people... go to, you could go to either of our websites. But to get the complete download, go to www.carbonategroup.com. And that'll take you to a link that you can download the whole report at. Absolutely. And I want to thank uh, everyone out there who's listening to our episode of On and Off. Thank you again to our guests. Thank you to everybody listening. And join us next time when we'll be talking about yet another fascinating topic that spans the retail and restaurant worlds. Until then, cheers. 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 Thank, you. Thank you. If you enjoyed the On and Off podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Also, you can find more great content at cheersonline.com and beveragedynamics.com, including recipes, product reviews, and interviews with the movers and shakers of the beverage alcohol industry. You can also sign up for our free weekly e-newsletters for both publications on our websites. 
Cheers. Thank you.